Welcome to the Girl on Top Shallon XO podcast. I'm your host, Shallon Lester, and you might know me from my YouTube channel, where I analyze celeb relationships and scandals for the lessons we can take into our own lives. But here on the podcast, I answer the best questions you submitted over the past week. Hey there, Shalligators. Well, Eva Week is a long way away. I know it's going to be in the fall and we're going to be wearing jackets again. We just took our jackets off. <sighs> I get it. But that doesn't mean we should wait to be evil. Now, I feel like for the last couple of weeks, we've been sort of following this soft theme of ridding toxic people out of our lives, ghosting people, standing up for ourselves. And I realized I was really remiss and I probably should have done this topic at the beginning, which is how to be okay with feeling kind of mean and shitty. Now, we talked about this last week, like in defense of ghosting and why sometimes it's necessary to ghost. But I've been talking to a lot of you guys about this and you're really opening up to me about how painful it is to cut somebody off. And so I kind of want to talk about that today. I want to talk about the feelings to expect and how to deal with them. Basically, how to get in touch with your inner ruthlessness, your inner bad bitch, your inner, for lack of a better term, evil, and how to make friends with those feelings. Or if we can't walk hand in hand with that icky feeling and with evilness, how can we at least find some sort of middle balance between standing up for ourselves and having people kind of hate us sometimes. So we're going to get into that. But before we do, you guys know we have a brand new Shalligator getaway trip to Italy next year. Now we're going on two Italy trips this October. They are both sold out. So I wanted to put another one on the books because you know I cannot stay away from Italy. Next, let me see, April 15th to the 21st, we are going to Milan, Venice, and Lake Como. Each one of these cities is so incredible. They each have a completely different vibe but they're going to have one thing in common, which is you're going to be traveling with such amazing, awesome, bad bitches. I mean, the girls who come on these trips, everyone ends up best friends. I mean, we've been back from Costa Rica, I think for a month now, and all the girls on the group thread are still chit-chatting all day long. Like everyone is still so tight. They plan reunions, they go see each other. So if you want to travel, but don't know how to kind of get your group of friends to go, or you don't have a big group of friends, you do now. You have my friends and I have you. So click the link below. We've got, I think, two early bird spots left that can save you $200. Once those are gone, they're gone and this trip will sell out. All right, let's talk ruthlessness. Because yeah, I've been seeing a lot of feedback from you guys being like, you're so right. I need to cut people off. I need to set boundaries. And it just, it sucks. It's so incredibly painful and I'm a failure. Like, I'm supposed to like this. Like, this is supposed to feel good, right? I'm supposed to feel empowered and I'm a bad bitch. Like, Shallon, you like to fight. Like, why can't I feel about this the way you do? Okay. Let's get down to the nitty gritty here. I do like to fight. And I've said before, I really am my best self when I'm doing two things. Well, three if you count sex. <laughs> two things. When I'm traveling and when I'm at war. I really am. Ugh, I would have made such a fantastic Roman general who's like traveling and then killing people along the way, right? Would have been great. Excellent warlord. But I'm great when I travel because I'm really, really focused and I'm using everything. It's like I'm wearing comfortable shoes to walk around Paris and I've got my itinerary laid out and I'm curious and I'm open-minded and I'm energized and I'm really present. You know, I'm not thinking about to my own peril, the work I have to do or the drama back home or anything like that. I'm just so focused. 
And there's a lot of similarities when I'm shredding someone, whether it's a troll on the internet or it's a boy. And I'm using those two examples for a reason, which we'll get to in a minute. I am once again, very, very focused. I am using my mind at maximum capacity. I am putting aside other things that aren't serving me, drama in the friend group, you know, whatever it might be. I am super present and focused. But while I love to shred a fuckboy or to annihilate a troll who comes at me sideways, and while I always say that I won't start a fight, but I will damn sure finish one, I don't feel this way with friends. Like I said, I use the example of guys and trolls and not friends or family or coworkers for a reason. Because huh, it's horrible. It's horrible. Now in the last video I did, I was talking about Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox and how we can deal with draining people and how we can put up boundaries and stand up to them. And I gave this example of, you know, I could put it out kind of as a blanket statement to not all of my friends, but I made it seem like it was going to all of my friends, that I'm not looking at my phone after 10.30. I'm tired, I've got projects, I'm gonna be in bed, so I'm sorry if you guys need me, I'll hit you in the morning. Because I had a few different friends who would decide to launch into their own personal Dr. Phil special at like 11.45, like fucking clockwork. I've got my little eye mask on, I got my earplugs in, the Breathe Right strip is on, the dog is snoring and farting, and I'm like, my phone is blowing. I need this from you and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I can't do this. So I put it out in, not in a time of crisis, not at 11.46, but at, you know, 2 p.m. Like, hey, I'm just telling all my friends, like, I'm not going to be available after 10.30 for like the next few weeks or months. I didn't go into a huge song and dance about why and oh, this big sob story to sell it because I don't need to sell it because no is a complete sentence. I'm trying to get more rest. I'm super stressed. I'll hit you in the morning. Bye. And one of my friends who was an 1145er was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I hope you feel better. She took it well. She probably didn't like it. And she sure enough did text me the next day around that time at the witching hour, but then followed up with, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I forgot you said you're going to be in bed. Talk to you tomorrow. I love you. She got the memo, right? Didn't like it. It took her a minute to like adjust to the new normal. But eventually she did. And this other friend didn't. When I sent that text at 2 p.m. saying I was no longer going to be available for like the demented argument hour. And, you know, again, I didn't frame this like I'm not going to talk to you and this is a you thing. This is just this is a party line now. This is a general rule. She lost it. Oh, so you're telling me that if I need something, I, you're just like not going to be there? I said, that's right. I'm going to be asleep. I'm trying to launch three new projects. I am so frazzled. I need my rest. I love you, but I'm sorry. I'll hit you in the morning. Wow. So if you needed something, I would be there for you. And I was like, I wouldn't expect you to be up all night. I know you have like three kids. I know you're so stressed. Like, I wouldn't expect that of you. She didn't let it go. And she, I realized through the course of this that like, oh, she is one of those people that we go back to with the phrase, the people who hate your boundaries are the ones who benefited from you having none at all. When I said you will no longer have 24 seven unfettered access to me, your verbal scratching post, which one of you shalligators coined that terms in the comment section, which is fantastic. When I'm not gonna be a free therapist for you at all hours, suddenly you are mad as a hornet. When someone is putting any sort of boundary on you, 
any sort of governance for your behavior, not even your behavior. I'm just telling you my behavior. You can text me all night. I'm not going to respond. She couldn't handle it. And it's like, oh, so this wasn't a friendship, actually. I mean, I thought it was, but it really wasn't. I mean, this was samples at Costco, right? I'm going to come in here. I'm going to eat all these goddamn bagel bites. And fuck you if you tell me to buy them. And fuck you if you tell me there's a limit on how many samples I can have. Fuck you. When we think of a person who would do that, what do we think of? Not someone we really want to be around. Someone who's maybe got some issues, right? Someone who needs to go out and feed themselves in a more self-sufficient way and not just be a freaking freeloader. So why are we painting these people as friends in our own life? with our own emotional bagel bites, if you will. And so I was talking about this in the video and I was talking to a lot of you guys in the comments about it. And you're, you know, I heard from so many girls who are like, I am, I'm in the same situation. I'm standing up to someone and I just feel undone by it. It's, it's so painful. It's so stressful. I have so much anxiety. And so many girls have the same thing. Like, I wish I could have been as strong as you. Like, I wish I could just not care. And I'm like, ugh, I feel so guilty because I shouldn't make it seem like I didn't care. I mean, on one hand, yes, because I want you to think it's this easy, because I want you to go boldly in that direction. I do. I want you to stand up for yourself and assume you're going to be able to do it, because you can. But if we're being honest, it's going to be painful. It's going to suck for a bunch of reasons. For one, we're not taught that we're supposed to cut friends off. Isn't that like the golden rule, the inviolate rule? of girldom, best friends for life, right? We wear these little bracelets when we're like six years old, B-A-F-F-4-L. And we, as good people, take that shit seriously. scrolling Instagram and I see people who I once considered a best friend and you know nothing happened I moved away they got married whatever I feel such a pang of guilt not missing them and maybe I do but no 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 the feeling I feel is guilt like I somehow let this lapse I failed to tend to this friendship garden and now it is it has gone crazy and now it's no longer here everything is withered and died and this is my fault I don't think, oh, well, it's their fault too. I'm like, no, this is my fault. I alone was supposed to keep all of this alive, you know? We're not supposed to jettison friends. Boys come and go, right? We're not supposed to, like, keep them around forever if they act out of pocket. We have the breakup playlist. We have the breakup routines. There's even a word for it. Breakups. There isn't really a word, a specific to friendship only word for friendship breakups. We have to put the word friendship in front of there. Because it's so abnormal. It's like male nurse, right? It's like, no, nurse means woman. So we have to put male there to be like, no, it's, it's actually a dude. His name's Kyle, right? So we are taught from almost birth, you make a friend, you keep a friend for life, no matter fucking what. You need to be polite. You need to be loyal. You need to be a ride or die. I don't want to ride and I don't want to die. I just want to sit and eat my snacks. Okay, that's what I want. And I want a friend who's going to do that with me. Okay, I don't, I don't need to do either. So we need to work on undoing that conditioning and instead recondition ourselves because we can, 
you know, uh, our history isn't destiny. We can break free of the things that we were taught. I mean, at one time we breastfed. That's all we did. Are we still breastfeeding? No. We moved on from that. We can move on from this. We instead need to normalize. I, that word's so overused and so ridiculously woke, but let's use it here. We need to normalize protecting our peace. Do you have doors on your house? Do you have curtains? Do your windows lock? I bet they do, right? Why? To keep out people you don't want in. And if someone comes to your house, what do you do? That you like. Okay, you, someone comes to your house that you like, what do you do? You open the door, but then you close it back up again. You don't leave it open and say, hey, since you're here, I guess everyone who drives by can come in too, right? Because that's, should I be doing that? Nope, that's ridiculous. And yet we do that emotionally. So let's wind that back and first accept that we have been taught that we're not supposed to leave friends behind. But now we're replacing that because that's a childish thing that was foisted upon us. We are now grown women and we can say, no, we're allowed to trim the dead ends, whether it's our hair or it's our friendships. And therefore, once we can acknowledge that like we were conditioned to hold on to everyone forever, we don't need to feel guilty about it being painful. Of course it's going to be painful to go in the face of everything we've been taught. Of course that's going to feel weird and wrong and difficult and isolating. That is what society wants us to feel so that we hold on to everybody, so that we're easily manipulated because we're fucking exhausted from dealing with the 11.45 p.m. friends, right? we can segue into politics real quick, but like this whole Roe versus Wade thing, you know, one of my friends, we were talking and we're both, you know, we're Democrats. I've, I'm become a lot more moderate, but I am still a Democrat because of abortion rights. And she was like, I don't get it. Like so many of these people who are like, so like, like right to life, whatever. They're also really racist and people of different races, minorities, they're the number one consumer of abortion. So if they hate, say, black people, why wouldn't they want more black people getting an abortion? Like, that's fewer black people. Why do they want more black people that they seem to hate? Right? And, and we were just like laughing about it. It's like, this makes no fucking sense. Like, pick a lane, like make a little logic, do a little flow chart, put on your thinking cap, weird racists. And I was like, well, that, that does make sense. But what they really want is oppression. What they really want is power. And when somebody has too many kids and they're broke and they're working three jobs and they're fucking miserable, you know what they're not doing? They're not voting. They're not educating themselves. They're not marching for different rights. They're just trying to keep their head above water. It makes them very, very compliant. They kind of don't exist anymore right? In terms of opposition, in terms of pushback. No. Like there's a reason that all the people you see marching for women's rights are like middle-aged ladies, like 65, you know, they got their short hair. They play pickleball earlier in the morning. Women like my mom, because they're retired. Their kids are out. They've got money. They ain't got shit to do besides protest against the man. I bring this up because we see this in our lives when we're saddled with too many shitty friends. When we're trying to keep our head above water emotionally with our jobs and our soul cycle and our cycling and our girls trips. And we're like, wait, what's going on in the world? None of this is a coincidence and none of this is an accident. Autonomy over ourselves, whether it's our uterus or our time or our phone at 11.46 p.m. starts with boundaries. It starts with trimming those dead ends. 
say no. <laughs> no. My time and my everything belongs to me. So again, I might seem like someone who likes to fight, and I do, but I don't like to fight with my friends because I'm a product of my environment. I don't want to get rid of friends. I love them. I make friends easily, and I collect a lot of them. Do I do that with boys? No. <laughs> like, I've got my lane that I'm winning, and damn it, I've got a gold medal in, in friendships. Yeah, I haven't really made the qualifiers for dating, but that's okay. So I have a really hard time fighting with friends as well. You know, it's, it makes me feel horrible horrible when I have to cut someone off. And this spat I got into with my 1145-er the other night, I mean, it really fucked me up. That's why I talked about it in a video, you know? I don't bring up things that were no big deal. I bring up things because I'm like working through them in real time. And that was brutal to have to see, oh, this person that I have been making room for and considered a best friend, she's, she's not only not a best friend, she's not a friend at all. And that's very tough. But I really think it's helpful to literally make a list, you know I'm big on my list, my pen and my paper come everywhere, about what is a friend, what is an enemy. That sounds kind of silly, but have you ever in your life thought about that? Have you really made a distinction and a rubric between a friend and an enemy? And we think, we think, well, I mean, I know what a friend and enemy is. Do you? Because the answer is actually very different for everybody. For example, some people would be fine with their best friend dating their ex. You even speak to my ex, I will break your fucking jaw. I will break your jaw. I don't care if it's a guy I hooked up with once. I don't care if we never hooked up. I'm like Drake. My exes belong to me. That goes on forever. But for some people, it's like, hey, I'm done with him. Whatever. Okay? Some people, if you're late, if you're not punctual, burn down the house. Me, whatever. I've got my phone. I've got Instagram. I don't, I don't, really don't care. You know, don't flake on me. We all have our own lines in the sand. And I know what you're thinking. It's like, okay, well, if someone, if I'm really annoyed by people who are late and my friend's always late, I mean, she's not an enemy. Okay. Give that column whatever name you want. Friend, not friend. Tier one friend, tier two. 10 friend. Like if they're in the hospital, I'll send them a text, but I'm not pulling up to help them day to day, right? Come up with whatever you want. But I would encourage you to come up with an enemy list. If someone does X, and for me, it's literally doing my ex, my ex-boyfriend, you are dead to me. You might even be dead in real life. Like do not, don't touch them. know what your lines in the sand are. And like I said in the video, givers need boundaries because takers have none. And why I'm bringing this up is because if you have this rubric, if you do this work ahead of time, like we talk about in war, that sort of war map, okay, if my enemy posts this about me on Twitter, I do this. If they come into my house, I call the cops. Like if you can map out the possible actions against you with the consequence, the action and the reaction, then when those things happen, hey man, you're just defaulting to the map. Hey man, oh, I'm just reading the map. I came up with this map in a time of neutrality. I'm not neutral right now. I'm freaking the fuck out. When I made this map that this was the right answer because I thought about it logically. So that's what I'm doing. I'm calling the cops. 
I'm reporting them on Instagram, whatever it might be. So let's do that now because maybe this is kind of a war. War, if you're not good at it and if you're not experienced with it, it all feels like a war. Every affront, every time you have to stand up for yourself, it feels catastrophic. But it's like anything else, it's muscle memory. You have to practice to be good at it. And doing this job and having so many people come at me on a day-to-day basis, I have gotten real good at it. I have gotten used to that adrenaline rush of like anxiety and misery that comes when I see a threat and I have to deal with it. I'm not saying I'm ever going to get to like anxiety level zero, but I've gone from like 5,000 to like 20. I'm, I've dialed it way down literally just through practice. I'm not saying you should seek out a fight, but practice standing up for yourself and make that enemy list. Make those deal breaker lists. Hey, if someone is late 10 minutes for, you know, a coffee date, I have decided I'm going to let it go. If they're late 45 minutes, I'm not going to let it go. I'm going to say X, Y, Z. I've, I've already written out this text in advance. I've got it saved in my notes so I can copy and paste. Okay. And I'm, I'm going to tell them that, like, we're not going to coffee anymore. I can see you around, but I'm not making time for you. Okay. If I see them put their tongue in my ex-boyfriend's ear, I'm going to go get the two by four out of the back of my truck. Someone's going to the ER. Okay. I've decided. Because now your responses aren't contingent on the emotions they're trying to stir up in you. Takers have no boundaries, right? My friend who, quote, friend, obviously she's not, who, my 1145-er, who was like, so, wow, I thought if you needed me, I'd be there for you. First of all, I've never needed her like that. And I never would because I have other friends that I would go to first. So it's like, okay, a lot of bad shit would have to happen for me to come to you in a crisis. Like I would have to alienate literally 15 people before you're number one in line for the throne. So that's not going to happen. But she was playing all these cards, this card of reciprocity. Oh, well, I'm loyal to you. You don't have to be loyal to me. I don't need anything from you. And because I have done these war maps in my life beforehand, I was able to see what she was doing. I was able to pull back and be like, I know what card she's trying to play. I know what emotion she's trying to appeal to. Unluckily for her, that is an emotion I do not have. It's simply not there. Oh, she's right. I I need her. No, I don't. Because I focus on making a lot of other friends who treat me with respect and they're fair and they're balanced. And so now, huh, I don't give a shit if she wouldn't respond to my text. I wouldn't even be texting her in the first place. Then she's going to play the card of, you know that you're the only person I can go to with stuff like this, right? That's where she went next. And I was thinking like, that's not my fault. That's not my fault. That's your fault. I'm sorry you don't have other friends in your life, but if this is how you treat people, I honestly can't say I'm surprised. My heart goes out to people who don't have a lot of friends. It is very difficult, but I do think we are responsible for our chronic outcomes. I mean, we are. If you chronically don't have a lot of friends, who's the common denominator? That's different than, well, you don't deserve friends. Of course you deserve friends. Everybody deserves friends. I'm sure you're wonderful. But you might be doing X, Y, and Z that is keeping people away. I mean, are you? I don't know. This is a whole separate topic that we can get into. But watching my friends spiral like this, it just became very clear what she was trying to do because I have taken the time while I'm driving, while I'm getting my hair blown out, while I'm in the shower, whatever. It doesn't have to be like, I have to set aside two weeks to make a warm up. Just think to myself, hmm, 
when I've been really like when I've been manipulated by somebody, how did they do it? And we never want to look at our life and be like, oh, let me recall all my horrors. You know, and we're like trying to fall asleep and your brain's like, would you like to relive that super awkward thing you did when you were nine? Great. Away we go. But think if you if you don't want to be like, hey, here's when I was manipulated because it's humiliating. It is. And we don't like to look humiliation in the face. Why would we? It's a protective mechanism. You know, denial is very useful for our psyche. Think back on times that are still just ugh, sticking in your craw that you still feel a lot of resentment for when it comes to friendships. What was it? I bet if you dig a little beneath the surface, you're going to find some element of manipulation. That's okay. That's okay. We're not going to be manipulation proof in this life. Certainly when we're young, you know, we're, we're learning. And the fact that you're here now in this place, girl, you are light years ahead of other people. You really are. But when we can look back and be like, all right, all right, all right. I'm not going to sit here as I'm driving to Starbucks, beating myself up for getting manipulated by my sorority sister in 2017. Instead, I'm going to look at where was I then? Who was I then? What was going on in my life? What was going on in my heart? What did I feel very sensitive about and insecure? What did I feel like I needed an escape from? And how did that person, either tacitly or overt me, promise an escape or a respite from those things? Or how did I assume they were going to give it? You know, sometimes that's the foundation of manipulation. They're going to save me from something. Maybe it's the opposite. Because for me, I don't really need to be saved. That's that's really never been my vibe. You know, what I a card that's much more effective with me is guilt. Because I'm a very loyal person. I consider myself very loyal. And I, like I said, I'm a product of my generation where it's like you never can cut people off. Like I'm Italian. You know, we're, loyalty is a big thing. It's a big cultural thing, right? And so when people play that card with me, I respond very well. Um, save your shit, no. And so I'm like, okay, when did someone effectively guilt me? What did they say? What tactic did they use? What angles did they take? And what was that relating to from my childhood? From my previous conditioning, how did that tie in? Did it? So with my friend who, my 1145er who freaked out, you know you're the only one I can talk to about this. I feel so lonely and you're the only one who understands me. I'm an only child. I grew up with a single mom. She traveled a lot for work. I was alone a lot. I mean, I was with my great grandmother, but she was like a thousand years old. You know, I felt very, very alone. Look at the job I do. I'm a clout chaser for a living, Ugh. right? But when you look at it through that lens, it's like, well, of course that's what Shallon values because she's constantly trying to outrun that feeling from her childhood. And toxic people, I'm not saying that they have like a, a book that they're following, but for, for whatever reason, they can just hone in on this shit. And she could. And it gave me pause. Like I winced. I'm like, oh, she feels alone. I know what it's like to feel alone. Oh, I know what it's like to not be understood. Oh. But I'm not in charge of saving her. That's not my assignment here on planet Earth. Save Kristen. It's not. It's to save myself. Toxic people would not agree with that statement. Well, no, no, no. We have to choose kindness. Live, laugh, love. Help others. Help your motherfucking self. Help yourself first and foremost. Help yourself until you don't need any more help. Then with whatever you have left over, yes, help somebody else. Never at the expense of helping yourself, though. Never. 
Nothing comes out of your mouth. No. That sounds like a really callous way to live our lives. But yet if everyone lived their life like that, we wouldn't have people like my 1145er. She would have taken care of herself. She wouldn't feel entitled to the whole world and everyone that she knows screeching to a halt every time she's got a hangnail or had a bad day or needs more attention on Instagram. These are literally things she's texted me about. People are living in a golden age of fucking wallowing in victimhood. We know this. And if we can buck that trend, which I really feel like I try to do, I feel like I've devoted a lot of my energy to combating this and to shitting all over that victim narrative. If we can say, I do not subscribe to this and therefore I do not abide people in my life who do either. I'm not a victim person. I'm not a victim enabler. I'm not a victim spectator. I am a motherfucking champion and I want champion energy. And ironically, champions respect boundaries because they've got plenty of their own. Plenty. Now we've all got a crisis here and there for sure, but people who chronically don't have boundaries, they're professional victims. People who do have boundaries, they're professional champions. So which is it? It's always going to hurt to cut someone off. It is. But if you're doing it in service of something better, you can digest it better. It's always going to hurt to like get the kale salad instead of the queso. Sucks. It really hurts to save money instead of spending it. That also sucks. It hurts to wait to have sex with that guy you're so into in service of creating a better relationship down the line. Making him wait a little bit. Upping your value. But the ends justifies the means. So put cutting people off and standing up for yourself and creating boundaries in that category of healthy eating, no sex on the first date, saving your money. Put it over there. Don't put it in the category of I'm a bad person. I'm a bad friend. I'm going against what everyone's taught me. <laughs> Live, laugh, love. No. Switch the category. Picture this in your mind. I'm a big visualizer. Picture it as like this old Tupperware thing that you're pulling off a shelf in the garage. You're walking into a different room, a healthy room full of kale salads, saved money, no sex, <laughs> chastity belts, and you're putting it in that room, sitting in the sunlight. This is a room where good things happen. This is a room where wonderful things grow. This is a room of healthy people and healthy choices. That's the room I belong in. I'm getting out of the darkness. I want to know your thoughts on this. Hopefully this has helped. And hopefully if you can't cut people off with joy and glee, because that's pretty unrealistic, at least maybe you can take this narrative out of it that you're a bad person, you're supposed to enjoy this, which you're not, and you can move through it a little bit more effectively. We can keep talking about this as long as you guys want, um, definitely let me know your thoughts. If you enjoy this podcast, click like and subscribe. And like I said, come with me to Italy. It is going to be so much fun. I can't wait to see you guys. I'll see you next week, Shalligators. Well, that's it for this episode of Girl on Top. Thanks for being part of the Shalantourage. If you have a love question you need some help with, find me on my website, shallonlester.com, and be sure to connect with me on Instagram at shallonxo and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Stay sweet, stay savage.